here, so that's half the battle. Yeah, okay. That sounds good. <laughs> All right. So, episode number four. Uh, we're going to do, uh, I think the topic today is the best use of a song in a movie. Um, yeah, I guess we'll keep it to a movie. Um, I didn't really go out of that. Um, so I thought about TV shows too, but uh, I just stuck to movies because at first there was one that came immediately to my head because I've, I've always thought it was like the a super random song, but the uh, perfect use of it. Um, and then once I started realizing like, or just thinking about it and also looking through my movies and just trying to like, you know, spark any like uh, uh, memory of like one of those songs that not just that I thought was uh, a good use of it, but also kind of like when I heard it, um, it made me really pay attention to the movie um, in a different way. Or or I never heard the song before. And when I watched the movie for the first time, because, you know, I used to be a film student, so I was way more into like the movie and the aesthetics of it. But if there's a song that randomly cut through, um, if it, if I became obsessed with it, um, I can I can kick it off um, with one of those movies um, or songs. Um, so when I first started to, so you know my background, like I I I, I didn't watch too many crazy things uh, as a as a kid um, and as an adolescent, even as a teenager, I was pretty um, like I don't think I watched my first like rated R movie. Or like, or not, I don't want to put it that way because there's old movies that are rated R that are like, I don't know, you know, like the old score, the old rating system. You yeah, know, I don't want to go a, off of that. Yeah, it'd be a PG today, but it was an R in 1967. <laughs> or, or the opposite. It was like, it was rated R in, in the 70s, but it's really PG-13, you know, something like that. Right. Anyways, um, so when, when I started to be interested in uh, media production in high school, uh, that was definitely when, um, I mean, I was working with like 20, 28 other students that all come from different places. You know, you know what you have one person in the corner room that loves horror, one person in the corner that just is obsessed with music videos. I didn't even care about movies. You know, they're just in there to make killer music videos. Um, and another person that just wants to be a rapper. And there's just all sorts of different people. Um, and so immediately I, I was influenced um, by these people. And one of the first movies that really stood out to me because it, I was kind of shocked because I was familiar with a lot of actors in the movie, but never knew about the movie. Um, and then the director eventually became one of my favorites is, um, it's fight club, um, by David Fincher. Uh, well, the first time I saw that movie, it blew my mind. Um, and, uh, it's a great movie. Also, uh, RIP meatloaf, um, <laughs> Robert Paulson. Yeah, his name was Robert Paulson. Robert Paulson. <laughs> we won't forget. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, that's, that's a intense movie, um, and it, it crescendos, you know, at the end with just like everything just kind of blowing up in the main character's face. And if you haven't seen, I mean, I'm sure most people have seen the movie, but if you haven't seen the movie, it's it's a, it, it has a good twist at the end. Um, but as the movie is ending and literally the city is blowing up around the main character um, and he's realizing that he's he's completely lost his mind, uh, where is my mind by the Pixies um, comes through. And it's perfect, man. It's just like the perfect like um, song to, to play out the the sequence of events that had, you know, taken place in the movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just perfect. Like, cause he's just standing there in awe of his own actions, not realizing it was his own actions and just what a perfect song to cap it off. Um, yeah, that'd be my first, first one to bring up. That's a great option. It was actually, it's in my notes as well. So, um, great minds think nice. alike. But yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. It's it is it's just so 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 perfect. It it fits so well. I mean, it, that really is one of those moments where, um, you know, because sometimes like it's a great song and its use because of its melody or whatever is is really what makes it stand out. But sometimes it sure. is the actual like content of the lyrics of the song and um, that yeah, using "Where Is My Mind" at the end of Fight Club is one of those where the tonal and lyrical quality both really fit the mood <laughs> yeah big time yeah and um and it's just it actually just hit me ran away this morning and i just remember there's another movie that ends with that i'm sure there's other random movies that do but just like a bigger movie with bigger stars like have you ever seen observe and report with seth rogan no i have not and, and ray liotta it's a weird 
It's kind of a weird, it's an oddly paced, like sad comedy. It's a dark comedy. I would put it that way. Um, yeah, it's a kind of an odd movie. Um, but it ends with that. <laughs> it's kind of, actually that's a, it ends really weird. It's a, it's a, it's, that's a crazy movie. Now that I think about it more, it's coming back to me, but it ends with that song too, but it's a, it's a cover of it, but it's a really good cover. It's like a very, um, it's a little more modern version. I forget who does it. Um, but yeah, that, that's a, that's a great pairing though. Um, what, uh, what, 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 what do you have on your list, sir? All right. Well, um, so the first thing that came to mind is the use of This Must Be the Place by Talking Heads in the 1987 Oliver Stone movie, Wall Street. Nice. Um, so, bow, 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 bow. oh, yeah, it's perfect. I mean, I, I love <laughs> I love the Talking Heads. So, I mean, it's that they can do no wrong in my book. But that that song in particular is just oh, it's it's perfect, isn't it? I mean, it's just it fits it's fun it's easy it's it's memorable it's got the little hook it's got david burns weird lyrics and stage presence and whatnot um and, and voice but, vocal style right right and uh you know in the context that it's used in wall street it's it's when charlie sheen's character whose name i believe is bud um he is wealthy. He's looking for an apartment to live in in New York City, and he buys one for $950,000. And then there's the, just a little montage of him, you know, setting up his house, having it expensively decorated and redone. And yeah. it's got this whole, you know, it's because the, the lyrics literally, home is where I want to be, pick me up and turn me around, right? And right. it's, I mean, it it's, you know, if it was used differently, it would be too on the nose because it's like, hey, look, the song's about being home and he's at home. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so uh, yeah, but it works and it just it fits like the pacing of the shots seems to go um, kind of in tune <laughs> or in step with the uh, melody of the song, with the pace of the song. And um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I love it so much, but I, I mean, I watched the clip yesterday. Mm. I mean, probably like three or four times, a little like two and a half or three minute clip on YouTube. And I watched it probably three or four times, just, just <laughs> trying to figure out exactly why I liked it so much. And I still couldn't maybe, do it. <laughs> maybe it's because like it, it is kind of a not quirky song, but definitely different. You know, it's one of those songs like you play it for someone who's never heard of Talking Heads. And they're like, what the? And then you give them like 30 seconds and then it's like they're bopping their head, you know, it takes them a, <laughs> takes them a second. Um, but maybe it's like because the character is so extravagant and unrelatable that it's like this weird, this weird song is, or uh, this funkier song is a great like play on it. I don't know. It's also the eighties. So it's like high yeah. energy, weird. You just, you yeah. Is at, it, least, so at least. Yeah, so oh, someone God. someone mixed their cocaine and their quaaludes that morning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there, there I go again saying cocaine on the on the podcast. This is they think wow. we're four for four so far. <laughs> <laughs> but we have been talking about the eighties, so <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna say. If we're if we're talking about the eighties, and I mean you bringing up Wall Street, I mean there's just certain there's certain uh, uh, themes and eras that that's just gonna it's gonna seep in. <laughs> Yep. Or or we all know it's a dynamic in there. And they're like, wow, they, they're very lively on this track. I'm like, uh-huh. I bet. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I bet I know why. But no, that's a, <laughs> but no, that's a, that's a great song, uh, a great pairing. I, I'd say, um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. A lot of mine, I realized, like, as they were, like, just, like, coming to me, I was like, oh, yeah, it's a great one. That's a really good one, too. Because, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge comic book fan. I mean, I've been reading comic books since I was a little kid. And, um <laughs> like a majority of them were like comic book movies. Um, so I really had to like resort my list. Um, but I, I want, I'll keep one of my top ones still a comic related in a way. Uh, my next one would be the use of immigrant song, uh, by Led Zeppelin in, uh, Thor Ragnarok. Uh, that is like one, every, everybody knows that song knows how epic and like how like, I, I don't know. Invigorating that song is. It's like it's it's like it's a vivacious song. It's like you hear that that riff and the and the and the howling. And you're just like, oh yeah, hell yeah! Like how could you not get pumped up <laughs> from that song? Um, 
And so they, you know, they use it in the beginning of the movie when like Thor's going through this crazy fight sequence. Um, but then they use, they bring it back at the end when he like, he kind of come makes a comeback and like, it's just so epic. I mean, the, the way that that movie is shot, uh, the cinematography in that movie is just beautiful, but the, the, the epic visuals paired with this, you know, epic song. It's just perfect. I don't know. It's one of those songs where you could probably throw it into any action movie and it would give it a little bit of a spice, but it's like, it's like, this is already a great meal. And then you're like, Hey, here's, here's a little, uh, here's this little extra spice. And you're like, I could, I didn't think this could get any cooler. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's just awesome, man. It, it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's just a very, it's just like a, such a lively song for a lively movie. Um, and then on the opposite, or not opposite, but on a, 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 a different use of the song, um, in a different movie, there's the use of that same song, but it's Trent Reznor's version of it. For um, it's also a David Fincher movie, actually. <laughs> I just realized <laughs> that. Um, and uh, "Girl with a Dragon Tattoo," uh, the American version. Um, Trent Reznor does like, I think it's just a. I think it's just instrumental. It might, it might have the vocal. It might be like, you know, kind of like nine inch nail vocal though. Right. Um, <laughs> but it's a, that's a very like eerie, you know, like kind of like uncomfortable, like version. But I mean, that movie is uncomfortable, so it's perfect. Yeah, um, I'm, trying, I'm trying to picture Trent Reznor singing it and it's, it just comes out very aggressive. <laughs> Come to the land of the ice and snow. Yeah, I mean it's a lot more demanding than it is kind yeah. of uh, Vikings preparing for battle. <laughs> I feel like I feel like if he does sing or do the vocal part of that, it'd be like that eerie, like almost like whispers talking, like the the, the real subtle like oh yeah chatter, you know. But anyways, yeah, that's that's a great. I, I just that's a. I mean, we we both love Zeppelin, but like that's just you know one of their. You know, milestone like heavy hitters um but that i don't know these two movies use it really well um i just remember going i actually saw both these movies in the theater and just remember like every time that song came out and like it hits you in the face in that theater you're just like oh yeah because <laughs> you're just excited because you're like i don't know you know it's like it's like see, not knowing one of your favorite actors or or just something is 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 related in a project, and all of a sudden, oh shit, is that Mads Mikkelsen? Or like, oh my god, I didn't realize like you know they're going to use this song or they're going to this place or they're going to connect it to that. It's like I don't know musically. That's that's always a, a great surprise when you go see a movie and then you find out the soundtrack is just like oh this is this is great. You know they're just they're just hitting me left and right. I mean that's why I, I tried to keep Quentin Tarantino movies off of my list because I feel like that. <laughs> That would be cheating. <laughs> well, you know, him and Scorsese, and I do have a Scorsese yes. one on my list, but but those two in particular, um, yeah. yeah, they're so good. Oh, my gosh. And by the way, I will say I'm, I'm so glad you went with uh, with the Thor movie because I, I was even joking with my wife last night. I was like, uh, it's like, what about Kiss from a Rose from Batman Forever? <laughs> <laughs> and we were and you know you said it was a comic book movie and i was like oh my god is he gonna pick a seal song from a bad batman hey hey i almost picked i almost picked the prince song off of the batman uh soundtrack that he did good. yeah the no Keith nothing Moore. wrong with that it's yeah just, that's a good, you know, those are good ones too oh yeah and i by the way i do like batman forever and because it was it was the last tim burton batman and so it mm. still kind of had the over the topness um mm -hmm. that uh, you know anyway but um but yeah i mean that song kiss from a rose is just one that i and I, it's not a, i like the song i mean i can i'm a little bit older than you and i can remember when it was on the radio and when they had batman mm. forever uh products and happy meals at mcdonald's um oh yeah <laughs> but you know the, and i like the song okay it's just it doesn't fit you know batman is this gruff kind of loner guy in that song is just such a <laughs> sappy love song baby i compare you to a kiss from a rose i mean come on bruce wayne's not saying that to anyone he's thinking uh, it and, though and no one else in that movie i mean you know you had jim carrey playing the riddler so you can rule that out <laughs> then you had tommy lee jones playing two-face and i i can't yes. see him going well batman i compare you to a kiss from a rose uh, you know that's not gonna happen <laughs> So I think Commissioner uh, Gordon's not going to do it. Although, if I had to put money on one of the characters to do it, it would be Commissioner <laughs> Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Although I would love to see a stoic Tommy Lee, you know, do anything. 
unexpected. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't kill my wife. I compare you from, to a kiss from a rose. Um, I, I, changed, well, I changed movies because I was trying to think of a Tommy Lee Jones quote, and that was the only one that came to mind. <laughs> a direct quote that I knew. I don't care. Technically, that quote's wrong. He didn't yeah, say no. that. He, say, he said, I know. I don't care if you didn't kill your wife. <laughs> yeah. But it just, I mean, we can get off this topic, but I will say that that is one of my favorite Tommy Lee Jones um, roles, though, that he's ever done. Not just because I'm a comic book person and I, I have a special place for Batman and, and his mythology in my heart just because my childhood and my dad, but because it's very unexpected. It's very like you look at all the roles Tommy Lee's ever done and it's always this stoic, you know, intense kind of character. And he's still very intense as Two-Face, but he's very flamboyant and bright and like out there and just like oh, wild. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just awesome. There's just moments where I forget that it's him, you know. I I, I, I just, just because you you voice appreciation for that movie, I just wanted to the echo it because J- Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee in those roles are like, I don't know. I think that was awesome. That was like one of oh, the, yeah, it was one of the co- coolest, coolest '90s castings, you know, of like all time for like a, you know, a movie like that, you know, that you would that you would pitch a cast for, like coming from a comic book, you know, world into real world. I thought it was great, and then you follow it up with Mister Freeze and Bat Nipples Ugh, and ruin it. So bad. But anyways, <laughs> so bad. All right, what else you got? um so uh the uh the next one that came to mind was the use of atlantis by donovan in goodfellas Mm. um and you know goodfellas like we were mentioning of course it's martin scorsese 1990 and scorsese has kind of i mean that was one of the things that he did that was i mean and correct me if i'm wrong because you're the film guy and i'm not but you know Mm. martin scorsese really embraced putting popular music and rock and roll and stuff in his oh, movies yeah. like that instead of well, he in, loved in the music. Yeah, exactly. And that's a, you know, he did the last waltz and, and yeah. you know, anyone and also George Harrison's yeah, uh, living exactly. in the material world. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, and that's, and that I think makes it even better is that, you know, what an appreciation Martin Scorsese has for that kind of stuff. But, um, and of course, Goodfellas has a lot of great moments to talk, uh, you know, talk about, um, I was talking to uh, Brad, our mutual friend, Brad, shout out to Brad and shout out to Brad's dad, Shay Fields, who um, is listening or has been. So that's good. Um, Shout out Brad's dad. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to Spotify or Apple Music or whatever you're listening to this on. Um, (laughs) um, But anyway, you know, so Goodfellas has a lot of great moments. It has that kind of coda from Layla that starts to play the big, you know, piano part when when Robert De Niro starts killing everyone. He's mm. got, uh, you know, Monkey Man by the Rolling Stones. He's got all of the like coked out being followed by helicopters. That entire bit of soundtracking is so perfect. Mm. Um, but there's a, you know, there's a scene and it's it's a famous one. Everyone knows it, right? And Billy Bats is in the bar talking to Joe Pesci and making fun of Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci leaves. Joe Pesci comes back. They stomp billy bats to death um Bye-bye. yeah and it's uh yeah so during that entire scene and the build-up it's playing that song atlantis by donovan and it's a weird weird song anyway yeah because um, you know the the first part is almost like a spoken word poem just mm. i mean about the mythology of atlantis yeah 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 and i mean he uses the phrase antediluvian kings i i mean there's <laughs> there are four people on earth who know what antediluvian means um that's you know and it's definitely i mean it fits donovan i guess yeah yeah <laughs> and um but you know the the second part of the song it comes up and the the music gets heavier and he's actually singing you know way down below the ocean and all that um, and, you know, that part kicks in really right when Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci throw Billy Bats on the ground and start to beat him to death. Yeah, and it that's just when Donovan it, gets bloody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's it just it, it's weird because the song really is a laid back. Even the heavier part of the song is laid back. But I think the mm. I think the jump in tone from being incredibly kind of light and almost lullaby ish to oh, yeah. <laughs> to like you know gentle soft rock but it still is such a jump there 
um, yeah. that it kind of fits the tension and the jumping in the in the scene itself. Obviously, these are well, technical terms. Well, and it's a good like juxtaposition of like a a weird eclectic, maybe lighter, folkier feeling song or psychedelic, whatever. But then you're in this like gruesome, like oh yeah, sharp reality, like just blunt, you know, uh, uh, interaction with aggressive people. <laughs> like this is yeah. what I would imagine going on or like being in the background, you know, I mean, it, and also I imagine it fits the, the vibe kind of of the old gangster movies or even, even honestly, I'm also thinking just, you know, in film, like lineage stuff, like, like old spaghetti Westerns and stuff where there's like a old, uh, happy tune playing in the background while like people are just getting murdered or like, you know, just like ripped of shreds, you know, it's just like it, it, the music doesn't really have to fit the tone. It can right. fit, it can fit the opposite tone and give this audience like a sense of dimension. Like, Oh, this is not normal. Like these people are crazy and they're so crazy. They're doing it to happy music or they're doing it. <laughs> they're doing it to music that like, I wouldn't expect them to do these types of things to, you know, like stuck in the middle with you. <laughs> yeah. With, right. And, yeah. Um, Reservoir dogs. Yeah. You know, you know, it's like that you, you hear that song any other time and you're like, Oh, this is a great rip off Bob Dylan song. Um, and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and it's a, it's a, it's a groovy little tune. Um, and I only make that statement because the original band made that song as a joke to rip oh, yeah. off Bob Dylan. And it turned out to be their biggest hit. Um, yeah. but, Steelers uh, yeah and um and uh yeah i don't know i just i have always loved and that's why i i mean we could have talked about quentin tarantino's use of music for like a whole episode um that i tried to not really use him too much and i just made a note to bring him up every now and then because that's one thing he does really well um either by offsetting like eras of music with like modern you know occurrences or like just just the the tones just off offsetting the tones or matching them up very, very well. Um, that's just a dynamic that a lot of filmmakers uh, should use. And I think the, the best of them absolutely keep that in mind. Um, I mean, any, anybody that's a, a pro and, and, and um, super expressive in that kind of uh, um, or experience in making a good craft is going to think about all the stuff involved in making a movie, which of course includes the scoring and music, but, when we're talking about people like Tarantino or Scorsese, I mean, I don't know if you've heard Tarantino's uh, podcast with, uh, with Rogan. Um, it's like one of the last Rogan ones I've listened to. Uh, it's really cool just because, you know, he, he, he talks about all sorts of random things, but my favorite part of it was when he talks about how he figures out what like the feel of the movie will be or the story that he's kind of written, like started a concept for. And he goes to his music room and it's literally just like a room full of records, um, like end to end, shelf to shelf. And, and he just sifts through and he tries to find the album that he thinks fits this vibe of whatever, you know, piece that he's, he's putting together and these characters and their, their feelings. And, and like, it's just nuts. I mean, he says he's done that for almost every movie that he isolates and really pairs it up with the music. Like he uses this music, music, he uses music like as a, like as a magic compass, you know, it's like he, he, he can, he, he, he knows what the music's about and what his story is about, but there's just so much varying options in his own personal library. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I could probably think of the, I, I mean, I could relate to that <laughs> super easily, you know, like if someone asked me to like, make a movie or like score a movie or curate a, a, a soundtrack for it. Um, I mean, that'd probably be one of my favorite projects that someone could give me if someone asked me to do that. Oh, and for sure. so, yeah. And so I, 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 that's why I think those two directors, uh, particularly, um, would definitely be in our list. Uh, I don't want to sound repetitive just cause they appreciate it so much, but they know the power of it and they edit to it, you know, and they, they they make sure it's impactful and it's not just background fodder or just like muzak or just like just fill in the gaps you know they want it to really resonate but but yeah i don't know um but no that's a good one that's a that's a good example of that um one one that i have that is a, another comic book one um it's a little on the on the nose but it's it, it's just also one of my favorite sequences 
like in an opening of a movie is the opening of Watchmen um, by Zack Snyder. Now, uh, uh, I will put a disclaimer on this. I'm not a huge Zack Snyder fan in terms of direction, uh, but style, like that dude can stylize like like anything that like uh, he can make a boring scene look really intense like you know like it's not always needed you know i don't think it like every, you know every every frame doesn't need to be a painting but um but you know he he really nails it and and the one thing in my opinion like over the years of his movies that he really nails is a stylistic like montage you know whether it's a fight montage like in 300 um or like in this case the opening montage for watchmen where you get to see the 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 legacy of the original watchmen like through time um and it's like these really cool like they're like um it's like it's a scene it's like an action scene of someone being shot or someone being robbed and someone stopping them and they're frozen in the scene it's in 3d and then like the the camera's just like panning around them so they look like statues but they're real people and the lighting's excellent and the whole time that's going on um bob dylan's um the times are changing are in the background and it's just it's just perfect because it's it's a perfect intro to the movie and the story i also i just love the book um and it's just a great like start jumping off point to say you know how much the world has changed in this universe like as a story um but it's just it's a great song and then uh i also just love how basically the movie starts with that dylan song and it ends with uh the hendrix version of all along the watchtower but it ends with all along the watchtower which was written by dylan right um so it's a cool like little bookend um i've just always i don't know i i always appreciated the music in that movie um but yeah, that's a crazy movie. But uh, that opening, I just always thought was really cool for like as a comic book movie, as a as a movie that's explaining the past, you know, and trying to still give you a little hint of what the past was out without like spoon feeding it to you. You know, it's like you got to be really observant. Um, but yeah, I just always thought that was a cool sequence. And um, I don't know. I mean, it it just fit fit really well. Oh, yeah. No, it's a, it's a. It is a great sequence. And, you know, that's I, so I don't watch a ton of comic book movies, mm-hmm. um, but but I will say that, uh, I mean, uh, you know, like Guardians of the Galaxy, that's probably not music. I, you know, I'm, I don't I'm not going to listen to Hooked on a Feeling by choice very often, but like, sure. you know, its use in Guardians of the Galaxy is very good. And, and I've, I've, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of other ones I've seen. Ooh. Moon Age Daydream. I know they don't really use it for that long, but I'm I love that they use that song in right. the first Guardians because that that made the Ziggy Stardust album like get re like yeah. refreshed like for the for the young masses. They're like, man, you ever heard Moon Age Daydream? Like, hell yeah, man! Like, <laughs> like that's a great song. And they're like, man. Like and it's funny like when you when like random people will talk talk about it or like in the past they're like man like it's such a killer like guitar solo I mean like who's playing that I'm like dude that's Mick Ronson like you gotta <laughs> look into that album man like you know it's because I'm just such a Bowie fan that like when that song started to like catch a wave again I'm like dude that whole album's crazy that's why me and my dad reviewed it because like we gotta we gotta talk about that album because oh, it's so good yeah I know. Yeah, but no, that, that the Guardians one and two. Well, James Gunn really. That's another one. That's another director we need to throw in the mix about music, because right. uh, James, James Gunn is a huge music centric person in terms of his like movie uh, um, aesthetics. Um, like I don't know if you watch Peacemaker. That's like his newest show, that John Cena show that just finished. Um, that show is hilarious. That show is ridiculous. Um, it's really well done. And it's like all curated with like eighties, like hair metal music. <laughs> <laughs> like it's nothing but hair metal, but like it, he pulls, they, they pull out the most random, like deep tracks and like, and, and what's cool is like, they, they like seen as character peacemaker. Like he, he is a music person too. And so like, he like has all these vinyls or he finds them and he's just like, you don't know this band. It's like a terrible band, you know, from like, you know, and, what, you've never and, heard and, of warrant Jerry pie. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, suck, dude. That's, that's yeah. why it's like, you, you, you don't like steel Panther. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And, and, but it's hilarious. Cause like, in, in all the other gun movies, it, particularly like the Guardians movies, it's it's such a well curated like you know mix of like soul and like I don't know just different stuff that really keeps you like you know it's nothing too intense, nothing too mellow too, 
Um, but then you get to Peacemaker and he's just all in on the 80s hair metal, but it, it fits the character. So it's just funny because like he did use music again, but he curated this personality. So you understood him a little bit better, just a little bit more. But yeah, Gunn is definitely someone to include in that um, that group. Uh, I, I, yeah. I have to admit, I have a weird, big soft spot for a bunch of really bad '80s hair metal. And um, when I was when I was growing up, I had um, a couple of cousins on my mom's side that were uh, you know, brothers and a little bit older than me. And uh, the older of the two, he had like a Pontiac Firebird. Hmm. And I can remember driving, riding in the car with him through this little town in Oklahoma like blaring like unskinny bop by poison and and in the still of the night by white snake and like all yeah. these songs and i love i mean still of the night is a legitimately good song i think but you know unskinny bop sucks that's a bad song <laughs> but i like it you know and i like going unskinny bop 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 i mean i love it but it's a terrible song i mean that song is awful <laughs> But I love it. Um, so, but yeah, no. So I, I, I get like I, I've not watched Peacemaker. I, I, I might have to, but I would. I get. I can already tell you. I kind of understand John Cena's defense of really bad. Because sometimes you need it, man. I, and I don't know. And it's yeah. of course for me, it's just the kind of familial nostalgia, whatever. Oh, exactly. Um, yeah, that's kind of what his character uses it as too. Like, because he's he's a very weird, like military, like. Uh, like, you know, um, not assassin, but kind of like a gun for hire mercenary guy, whatever. And so he could, his character, you kind of assume he hasn't had a childhood since he was a child. And so it's like, he's, I, I, and what, just real quick, if you ever do watch that show, like John Cena does a phenomenal job. Like, I just want to say, like, I've watched that dude. Cause I used to be in a wrestling man when, like when I was a little kid and then he was like new, like when he, when I was a little kid, he was like the big, like, Oh, you know, first he was the bad guy. And then he became like, he was, he went from the heel to the hero. And, um, and, and like, I just always knew him as like the wrestler guy though. You know, everyone knows him as like the, you can't see me guy. But then like this show really turned around my opinion of him. I always thought he was just the wrestling actor guy, you know, like the, like the rock or Dave Batista, like Batista's turned a leaf. Like he's, I take him more seriously, but he yeah. kind of plays the same roles. But Cena man does such a great job, man. Like I believe the emotions, like he's like showing and like the, the, the character that he's really being like, and, and when he defends the music, when he uses the music, like, I don't know. It just feels so real. Like it, 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 I'm very impressed by his his acting in it, um, and like what you're saying. Like he uses that that type of music medicinally. Like he he knows like he had he hasn't been a child or like in that free feeling like life in a long time. And so like that's what his character d does. He listens to that music to escape, you know, and feel those past feelings again. Um, but yeah, uh, super cool. But uh, you got any more? <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, you I, said you have a ton <laughs> yeah no so I'll, i mean we can we'll do we'll do another one in depth and then i i think i think we almost need a lightning round that's just like <laughs> just, just just write down all the ones you or just just say with all the ones you thought of but but one more i did want to mention in a little bit more detail um was comfortably numb in the departed mm, um so I didn't think about that yeah. And so it's, there's, you know, first off it's, it's more Scorsese, which is why I almost just chose something else. Cause I didn't want to talk about Scorsese all day, but, <laughs> um, but I think that this, this warrants a little bit of, um, analysis. So, hmm. um, when the song is playing, it's, so it's comfortably numb. And what it is, is it's actually a live version um, from a concert in Berlin in 1990, and it is Roger Waters, and then singing the David Gilmore parts is Van Morrison. Oh, yeah. So it's it's a really like, I, and I'll be honest, I don't I don't like that concert. I don't really like that version of that song outside of this movie, which is another reason I wanted to include it because most of the time when I love um, the use of a song in a movie, it's a song and a version of a song that I also really like. This one mm. is kind of interesting because it's a version of a song that I love that I hate. 
<laughs> but it's used really well and you know and and when it's used in the movie it's basically leonardo dicaprio is a, is about to jump into bed with his psychiatrist um and he's got a budding opioid addiction that it keeps alluding to and the psychiatrist has been dating Matt Damon and she's getting frustrated and they have their own issues. And so it, you have this weird live version of comfortably numb pa- playing and Leonardo DiCaprio and the psychiatrist are two people who have been very frustrated. They're in very um, difficult circumstances in their lives and things that they're frustrated about, but can't do much about. And then mm-hmm. they kind of give into this temptation and it's their release and, you know, then you hear there is no pain. You are receiving, you know, a distant ship smoke on the horizon and uh, yeah. receiving. And um, so it, it's just I think it's a great use of the song. And, and you know, Roger Waters. Um, have you seen Roger Waters live? Uh, like just his like. Yeah. Concerts? Yeah. No, no, I haven't. OK, so I saw him do the wall in Austin. Oh, yeah. Uh, probably 10 years ago. Mm hmm. And I mean, it was, I mean, just, it was everything that I wanted and more. I mean, it's, Mm. I had very like unreasonably high expectations and he exceeded them. Um, (laughs) And fun fact, his lead guitarist on that tour was G.E. Smith, who used to be the uh, band leader for the Saturday Night Live band. Um, Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a, he's a very well regarded musician. He he played with Hall & Oates, some in the eighties and some other people, but um I think he plays the guitar solo in Man Eater by Hall and Oates, which I think is funny. Um, hmm. <laughs> but, but yeah, if you ever see Roger Waters in concert, it will blow your mind how good it is. And you know, so I already really liked um, the use of that song in The Departed when I first saw it when I was in high school because it came out in 2006, and so I was 17 and saw it in theaters. Um, and then in 2012, when I saw Roger Waters in concert and heard him play that he heard him play mm-hmm. comfortably numb and you know in the whole show and how great everything was it gave me a new appreciation for what you know for the type of performer he is and i pink floyd was mm. not known for grandiose performances um and so i think roger i mean you know they had the laser light stuff but that was normally just their music being licensed to people um well i thought i thought the wall was kind of like their biggest production like well yeah so it, it was the biggest production but i like on you know when they toured with it i don't know how elaborate the shows were there was the movie that went along with it mm-hmm. um which is a movie that i still like it still freaks me out the swinging hammers I, like i used to have nightmares when i was <laughs> as I, I think i saw it when i was like 11 or 12 years old and i like i had these really weird nightmares about being squashed by swinging hammers um but do it. yeah, that'll do it. Um, but anyway, I just I, I got a new appreciation for Roger Waters ability as a showman, really, after seeing mm-hmm. him live. And then the next time after I saw that concert that I watched The Departed, it, it made me appreciate that song even more, even though I don't really like that version of the song. It's it's the whole thing's weird and I can't even sort it out in my own head and make logic of it. But, you know, it's <laughs> it's. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, <laughs> but that's interesting. I didn't. I didn't. One, I forgot about that moment. Um, two, I didn't realize, or I didn't know that it wasn't um, Gilmore, or I didn't realize it was Van Morrison. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah, and so that, I guess that that was post breakup. I'm assuming. Yeah, that was post breakup. So yeah, because they broke up in the mid 80s or whatever they had a 86 or whatever yeah and then there was momentary lapse of reason i think was the first post breakup pink floyd album yeah with the light oh no with the beds or whatever yeah when it had uh is that the one that had to fly on it but yeah i think i had learning to fly and sorrow on it right yeah I, I love sorrow man that yeah that that, that album is pretty good i mean it's not, I, I, when you realize I, it's it's in the 80s it's yeah pretty good. <laughs> yeah exactly and it's uh, you, know, you realize <laughs> it, i i think that I, the problem it suffers from being called a pink floyd album is what it is mm. because i think if it was rebranded as a david gilmore album and, and David uh, David Gilmore yeah. had released a few solo 
albums even during the Pink Floyd right. years. And in fact, his yeah. self-titled debut album is incredible. Mm. Um, I mean, it's it's, it's a great guitar album if you're a guitar. Well, he uh, like person. that, but that momentary lapse of reason, like that, has some good lyricism in it. Oh um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm like I'm I'm sticking on sorrow just because like that that's such a flagship song to me on that, that album. Like especially the live version from Pulse when they do the Pulse tour or whatever. Oh yeah, that that is like so epic. Like the bass um, tone and the guitar tone on Gilmore, like it's just like man, it just hits you. It's just like man it's just got such a weight to it you know it's like a perfect like that's a song like i don't know i'm gonna look it up after this like i'm curious has it ever been used in like a sci-fi movie or something because it's just such an <laughs> epic song that like you know you just it would fit. anyways yeah it's just so cool yeah um, it's a, it, the, the, but that's the, that's always been my contention on momentary lapse of reason is if it was rebranded as a david gilmore album it would probably be much more appreciated yeah but well, i try and yeah, I, mean, I try and put, I try and put '80s albums uh, in relation to other '80s albums because, like, when you have one like this that's like got like I don't know half of it's like pretty good and the other half is like you know um, it's all right or it's like way too synth heavy, way um, too synth heavy, <laughs> and then you're like, dang, like what the heck? But then you're like, oh, that was like that was just the thing to do at the time. So it's actually pretty good given what you know what was going on. Um, or if you compare it to like you know, what the other, you know, leading people were doing at the time, you know, like you look at McCartney too and temporary secretary, right? Or you look at, you look at Neil Young and trans and you're like, what is, what is going on over there? So that's, they, they can, they can have a, a momentary lapse of reason. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, even, you know, Rush, Rush made a couple of pretty bad albums that yeah. got way too synth heavy. I mean, every, I feel like everybody had their their moment in the 80s where they're like, I, I, yeah, I dove right way too far into that for a second. You know? Yeah, that's, there are very few bands that I think successfully made the 70s to 80s jump without, um, you know, losing themselves, drifting too far. Them. Yeah. And yeah. Like, like Dire Straits, I think, did a great job. Um, yeah, because uh, brothers, like, like, oh yeah, I mean, brothers, brothers in arms. arms is it. You can tell it was made in the '80s, but it also just still sounds like a Dire Straits album. And I would encourage anyone who is um, maybe a little bit apprehensive about diving into the '80s to listen to Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits. I think it is the. I, I don't want to say it's the best album to come out of the '80s because I, I'm sure there's something else better, but. It's just it's it's so great and it's kind of a gentle it's like it's like the bunny slope of the 80s right it's mm. it's not the black double diamond or what I don't know I'm not a skier I live in Texas um, but, <laughs> but you know it's kind of a bunny slope 80s album in that you can tell it's an 80s album because it has like some weird augmented saxophone and it's got some mm. big drums that sometimes could feel and plus it does have uh money for nothing on it which mm. is like a huge mtv song right um right yeah but but yeah it, i mean it will, I, it will guide you gently into the 1980s <laughs> yeah it's true yeah because some some people made real abrupt abrupt jumps some people disappeared because they didn't know what to do and then they came back with a totally different sound yeah like uh i guess like heart would probably be one of those but they had like label issues but then when they came back they they were full 80s or like yeah kind of evolved chicago heart. too but that's oh yeah like, Sh chicago the kinks uh yeah. did it. they got way too into the 80s the jefferson airplane becoming mm -hmm. you know just airplane yeah. or the, you know jefferson starship, starship or yeah yeah <laughs> i mean so well all right so let's uh Let's, I guess, kind of wrap this up with the lightning round. Um, I only have like three, three. Right, I, I can, I, I can, I, I can pick three. <laughs> like, just, just so it doesn't go. Because I mean, like the ones I have are like, two of them are good. One of them's just like kind of irrelevant, but I've always liked it just because of what it what it introduces you to. Um, I'll kick it off though. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go weakest to strongest for mine. <laughs> Sure. Um, so I'm going to start with that random one. Um, so it's from Pineapple Express. Uh, <laughs> is it Electric Avenue by Eddie Green? Yeah, it is. Yeah. 
Because <laughs> I just, I just, I, I've always liked that song, but now I can't think of it without thinking of that movie. It's because I love that movie, man. It's such a stupid, like, I don't know. It's like a good background throwaway movie. Like, I just feel like I could watch that movie anytime. I just, um, I just love the way he says, oh, no. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. 37 man. times. There's a great story on the Questlove Supreme podcast where, because, you know, he's, he, he's with the roots and Jimmy Fallon's band. And one time he came to perform and he was going to perform that song. And when they were doing like a practice for it or rehearsal for it um, in the morning, they were saying uh, like he was doing like, cause you know, he was older and he wouldn't do like the yelling parts as much. Like he would do, he wouldn't either wouldn't do them or like it would be very low scaled. And so like quest love and like the roots were like, Hey man, like where's the, where's the, you know, <laughs> where's the energy where's the oh no and like it's like why aren't you yelling like why aren't you super into it and he's like oh i just don't do that anymore he's like but you gotta man that's like the best part and he's like all right and so then like for that night he like really gave it his all um and sang it pretty close um but i just i don't know it's just a, it's a groovy song and it's a it is. it's it's a it's a fun song to to set off like a fun stupid movie yeah, and and it's another great like uh, montage song while you're watching this Seth Rogen character just you know be an yeah. idiot and just like <laughs> people with papers and be an idiot. Yeah, yeah, and just like yeah, just fuck around and you know finding out you know. But it's <laughs> I don't know, it's just a fun song. When I when I was thinking and sifting through all these like serious moments and serious like films that I've watched, I'm like, yeah, that was a good pairing. But like. What's a what's a sound what's a what's a real song that just got me excited and that's definitely <laughs> one of them. <laughs> and that's all I got to say on that one. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Um okay, I you know, I think I'll do the same thing. I'll kind of I'll I'll start uh less and get more. Um okay. So I'm going to start with Deo uh oh, okay. the Banana Boat song by Harry, Harry <laughs> Belafonte in Beetlejuice. Nice. <laughs> yeah, and you know they're they're sitting at a dining room table, and you know Beetlejuice is enchanted or whatever. All the adults at the table to lip sync and dance to Harry Belafonte's Deo, and it is perfect. And Winona, Winona Ryder like <laughs> laughing and enjoying it. That's that's like a really strong memory. And I haven't seen Beetlejuice all the way through in probably twenty years. But um, but yeah, I can remember when I was a kid and we'd watch it and that little smirk that Winona Ryder gives during that scene mm-hmm. is, is like a weirdly sharp memory in my mind. Um, but mm. yeah, so Harry Belafonte. <laughs> nice. Random, but good one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, OK, I, I, I'll just go with this one. It, this one is more on the serious end, but I always again, this is a good um like tempo, like mood setting song, like establishing song, put it that way. Just like I thought, um, anyways, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with apocalypse now. And, uh, <laughs> um, and with the doors, the, oh. the end. Oh, you're going with people or sure. Apoc- yeah, the end. Or, 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 yeah. Yeah. Or not apocalypse. Now. Uh, um, um, right. Is that the right movie? Yeah, I think up. so. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it's just it's all slow, and you have the helicopters coming in through the the fog, and it's just like it's all epic, and it just gives you immediately the tone that this movie isn't going to be very warm. <laughs> you know, this movie is going to be very serious. Um, uh, yeah, that's just a, that's a classic one. That, that's one of those songs that's so intense, but it's just like. I, I hate saying this, like it's a vibe, but like <laughs> that, the feeling of that song is like, so that, that the feeling of that song is what I feel like it felt like to be a friend with Jim Morrison. Like, <laughs> like it's okay. so yeah, like that's fair. deep, deep and heavy and like, um, and like, it's not like weird or like out there, but it's just got this weight to it that like, I don't know you would expect out of like one, a movie like that, but two, like it's just got like, I don't know, a weight to it that like you pay attention to it. And like that, it, Oh, okay. It's like a trance. It's almost like trance, like, especially with right. the guitar, the way that the, the guitar is played. Um, it's like trance rock before trance rock, um, before tool. Um, and, um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just a, it's a cool, unique song for, uh, um, and well used for the, the story point of that movie. 
But yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. My wife and I were talking about Apocalypse Now earlier this morning. Um, she she hasn't seen it. And um, I was thinking, because, you know, Martin Sheen's got that great. At first, I thought they had given me the wrong dossier. There was no way they could mm. want this man dead. And I just, I love that whole monologue. <laughs> you know, second in his class at West Point, third generation army, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> but I thought I thought you were going to go with "Ride of the Valkyries" by Wagner. By the way, the oh yeah, I mean that is, that is epic, and oh, yeah. is now totally tied into like Vietnam. There's so many songs that are tied into like the Vietnam like era, but oh, yeah. I just felt like the the overall mood of the movie and just the war itself. I think the end kind of fits it more than anything. <laughs> so, um, this is I'm gonna I'm gonna also include a Vietnam moment. Um, okay, and uh, it is the use of fortunate son in Forrest Gump. There you and go. Another, yeah. I mean, and that's one when I was growing up. Um, my my best friend, his dad was uh, really into le- electronics and had wired their house for this great surround sound, right? Mm. And he used to put that movie on and then like pause it and then turn his surround sound all the way up and then start it over because the pulsing of the helicopters in conjunction with, you know, John Fogarty's voice and the guitar. Well, and the and the bass, if I'm not mistaken, that the the bass is pulsating. It's like boom, 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 boom. It's like a droning, like boom, boom, boom. Exactly. It's it's the perfect like like it's. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's it's one of those. I mean, you know, we're talking late 90s, I guess, is probably when I can remember being over there and him doing that. And, you know, I was 10 years old and I was like feeling my spleen rattle against my ribs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it was it was so great and it's so perfect. And then, you know, the, the older you get and you rewatch um, Forrest Gump and you listen to Fortunate Son and you learn more about Vietnam and American history yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Then it, it, to me, that just it's is like a fine wine, um, you know, but not in the pulp fiction. <laughs> not oh, yeah. the pulp fiction. If you mean it gets better with age, it don't. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that yeah. fortunate son. Like I'm uh, just real quick. I'm trying to rattle off like all the things I think of as like Vietnam era songs now because of film is like fortunate son. Give me shelter. Uh, Fly all to the Valkyries. All on the watchtower. Yeah. Uh, Freebird. Uh, but like, uh, but definitely, uh, uh, like give me shelter and fortunate son. In fact, dude, like I, you know, I, I play video games and I, one of my favorite video games when I was younger was, um, bad company two. Um, and they did this, they did this, uh, Vietnam like expansion on it. And, uh, it was only like two maps that you could play on like online only. There wasn't a story or anything, but dude, one of the coolest things about that game was when you got into a vehicle, like when you're on the American side, when you got into a vehicle, whether it was a helicopter or a Jeep, whatever, it, it had a, a soundtrack of like eight songs that could possibly come on. And it was Fly the Valkyrie, Gimme Shelter, Fortunate Son. <laughs> um, I mean, it's literally all the songs that you, you'd seen in cinema played out over those scenes anyways. And so it was like the most epic thing. That was always my favorite thing. I can't remember if you could skip tracks. I don't think you could. I think you could just turn the radio on or off. But that was always my favorite when I would either get in a helicopter and take off and fly the Valkyries as plane or uh, Fortunate Son. Because I just it just was like the epitome of like epic. I was like, oh, man, this is like this is it. I'm in it. <laughs> you know? But yeah, Fortunate Son, though, that's that's such a classic song. I had a yeah, I, I a took a racquetball class my freshman year of college. And mm. the uh, the guy who was the class instructor, he was this left-handed Vietnam vet, and um, he would always have music playing. And one time, I, I can't remember what happened. I mean, I mean, first off, Fortunate Son was definitely on the playlist, right? But um, <laughs> one time after class, I was talking to him, and I asked him, I was like, "Man, where did you develop your taste in music?" And he was like. At a Navy hospital outside Da Nang. And I was like, oh my God. 
because yeah it took some shrapnel on an explosion on a search and rescue in cambodia and i was like oh my god dude you are literally a character from platoon what are you doing <laughs> what's going on yeah i was just like and that guy i mean like don't be wrong like, i'm not gonna I'm not, play any of that music around <laughs> yeah seriously i'm like oh, i don't want to trigger anything yeah i mean uh, yeah I, I mean it was it was i mean he wasn't like christopher walken from the deer hunter but holy crap <laughs> yeah. man um jeez but yeah so uh yeah fortunate son okay. Forrest Gump. <laughs> gotcha all right so this is my last one i'm gonna end it with a uh comic book one um so the song is red right hand by nick cave and the bad seeds uh it's been it's a random song uh it's been used in so many random movies in different ways but the reason why it's on my list is because it was used in Hellboy. Uh, Hellboy is uh, one of my, it's a very random comic book. I think it was done on the um, Dark Horse comic book label, um, which isn't a significantly popular, like, you know, it's, it's not DC or Marvel. <laughs> I think it's owned by DC now. Maybe that might be wrong. Um, but, um, the Hellboy movies, which, you know, feature like Ron Perlman as, as Hellboy and, um, they're really well made. Um, Guillermo del Toro, um, you know, does it and it's, it's designed so well. Um, it, it, it's just, it's really well done. It's such an epic, intense movie, uh, fantasy movie, whatever. But in the movie, in the story of Hellboy, you know, he, he's basically a spawn of Satan that doesn't want to be that or he's been raised as a typical boy. And so he thinks he's a Catholic boy that's just always been with his dad who search, searches for paranormal activity. Um, and so he defends like he, he he's like an agent of this paranormal activity research place and so he has like you know he, he doesn't have like super abilities like he's, he's like st super durable and like strong but he doesn't like he can't fly or do anything crazy and he just has a gun he's just like a big revolver um so he kind of he's you know and you know ron perlman's like cadence you know and character right. so he's kind of like this like dusky like detective kind of like you know rough rough guy um but hellboy's main aesthetic is he has he's, he he grows horns, but he files them down so he looks more normal. Um, and then his other aesthetic is he has a giant red right hand, and it's like a stone hand. Um, and it comes in the, the into play in the story. Um, I won't reveal anything, but um, I've just always loved because like I, I read the comic book and me and my dad thought it was interesting. And then when the movie came out, we watched it and like fell in love with it. But it, that was one of those songs that like I knew the song before the movie and and like I because I had heard it played in other movies like um, I think it's in like Dumb and Dumber. It's in that moment when uh, when uh, Jim Carrey ha has just made a bunch of money that they're going to use to like, you know, fund their trip or whatever. And then he goes and he blows it all on beer and Slim Jims and a giant like cat foam cowboy hat. And he's right. just like walking down the street and the song's playing like while he's 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 holding, in, you know, um, but in this, it's just perfect because I mean, it's literally the the devil's red right hand, and it's just I just thought it was like extremely on the nose, but it's perfect. It's perfect. It's like for Hellboy, you could have gone with a great rock song or whatever, but this the 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 weird you know quirky feeling and of the song fits the weird quirky world of that of that um, movie. Um, yeah, it's just yeah, I just always thought that was a great pairing. And like, just, just perfect. It's like indie country almost. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. By the way, a, a great little bit of trivia on Dumb and Dumber. He's buying a newspaper when that song is playing. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's yeah. like it's stuck in there. The name yeah. of the newspaper that he is buying, I am 99% sure, is the Rhode Island Slut. <laughs> oh, it is. It is. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then of all the people he asked to help get out of it is this old lady <laughs> yeah oh man oh, um goodness all what right does well, he say he's like although old uh he's yeah he's like elderly people are still you. useful yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so terrible oh so bad so good though <laughs> you sold my dead bird to a blind kid um <laughs> um Okay, so my last one, 
I'm kind of I'm kind of going between two, but I'm gonna I'm gonna just pick one, and I'm gonna go with Head Over Heels by Tears the uh, Tears for Fears in Donnie Darko. Um, nice. And Donnie Darko's got a lot of great music in it. Uh, they had that version of Mad World that that mm. was incredibly good, an incredibly good version. But the Tears for Fears song, everybody wants to rule the world. I like that song anyway. And actually, the more I hear of Tears for Fears, the more I like them. Um, mm. But, you know, they were kind of um, they were one of those second British invasion new wave bands that tinged a little poppier than like Flock of Seagulls or Red Rider or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe even maybe even Depeche Mode. Um, but yeah, it just I, I don't know. You've seen Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko is a weird movie. It's a good movie. It's a weird movie. Yeah. And every song in the movie I think is used well because everything it just it it just cultivates the weirdness um but in like right. the, in the best way um, yeah and I don't I, you know it's just it's it's a it's a use of kind of and plus everybody wants to I mean uh, I, I keep saying everybody wants to rule the world but I mean head over heels by tears for fears by the way oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> everybody wants to rule the world is also a great tears for fears song but um, head over heels, you know, it's got kind of that ethereal new wavy sound to it. And it's, it's, it's a new wave love song and that kind of stuff. And it just, it just fits. I don't, I don't know. Can't put it's, And I think that's, I think that is one of the factors in deciding how well a song goes with a given clip from a movie is it's kind of like, does it just fit for no other reason? Does it just fit the way it sounds and without really thinking about it, does it fit and head over heels fits? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. And that's a, that's a, that's another good movie example of a well curated soundtrack. Very well. Like not like scored soundtrack, you know, but like curated pre existing artists music. Uh, I'm blank. Who directs that movie? I'm I'm blanking on that one. Oh, good lord! I don't know. Uh, <laughs> hang on, let me. I haven't seen that up. in a minute. I can do it. I got my phone right here. Uh, Richard yeah. Kelly. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, I didn't know there's a second one. You know, there's a second Donnie Darko. There's a second Donnie Darko. Yes. <laughs> Is it called Donnie Darko Two or and no? Donnie I think it's Darko called Donnie Darko Two. Something. Donnie Darker. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was reading. Um, this is this is a very big tangent. I was just it's, I just remembered this random Reddit thread I read of like worst sequels or whatever, and like there were a few movies I never knew had like sequels, and I think that was one of them. Unless I, this is a fever dream I had like a month ago. <laughs> Because there was some other movie that I was like, what? That's a sequel? Oh, 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 oh. It was, I think, I'm pretty sure, and I may be wrong because I'm not an expert, but um, here we go. I'm pretty sure it was Donnie Darko. I have no idea what the following one was. And then the other one was American Psycho. I didn't realize there was a sequel to that either. Oh, wow. Yeah. And apparently both are terrible. So don't go looking. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'll, I'll leave those on the shelf. Yeah. That's uh, my my wife and I play a game when we um when we go places that have like those big uh just like bins full of DVDs right mm-hmm. uh-huh. Walmart yeah. Hastings whatever and right. we we call it win bin you got to stick your hand in fish around mm-hmm. grab a DVD and you say one two three and pull it up and mm-hmm. based on the name of the movie the cover of the movie and the quality of the movie whoever picks the worst one wins. Oh. And uh, yeah, like once I pulled Caddyshack 2, which is a terrible movie and it had a terrible uh, cover on it. It was uh, it it is awful. But uh, but yes, yeah, so we play Winbin and it seems like American Psycho 2 or Donnie Darko 2 colon Donnie Darkest would be in one of those big bins, you know, right next to Jaws 4. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's, that's the only context in which I ever anticipate having any sort of even tangential connection to American Psycho (laughs) 2 or Donnie Darker. Um, but yeah, so American Psycho or, yeah, (laughs) 
American but psycho. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry about that. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, no, those are good ones. Well, yeah, these, these are, these are good ones. Um, I still feel like there's one I'm not remembering that's like going to hit me like randomly and I'll text you like, oh, damn it. It was this song. This song is like, you know, really perfect for this. But whatever. I feel like we got some really good ones out there. Um, definitely. Um, where is my mind? That That's at the top of mine. Um, that is, that is so that, good. But, and it, yeah. I'm curious. And, I mean, it's it, you can see my notes and where is my mind? I ended up crossing through comfortably numb and writing it back in. And, um, cause that was, it, it just hit me yesterday when I was, I was, I was sitting in my living room, just like dicking around on the guitar. Um, <laughs> and, and I actually played that little riff at the beginning and mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, holy crap. I forgot about that. That was, that was <laughs> <a good laughs> and then yeah. I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. That's so good. It's perfect. The world's blowing up. He actually doesn't know where his head is. And I mean, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> He's so just lost good. everything. He also just shot himself in the head. So yeah. it's like everything is great. Yeah. Everything lines up. Even but yeah. Well. <laughs> well, cool, man. Well, this has been this has been another good one. Yeah, man. I we're we're four for four. <laughs> <laughs> just keep it keep on going. Try and think of uh topics to keep us busy. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, till next time, man. All right. Thank you as always. <laughs>